Welcome to Kilgallen's Pub, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recreate that bar conversation we all know and love. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, that's at Kilgallen's Pub, as well as on Twitter. Follow me on all the platforms, that's simply at Joe Kilgallen. I did a fucking TikTok yesterday, everyone. TikTok, you know what I'm saying? Bunch of fucking 15-year-olds, and this guy, 35-year-old comedian who needs a haircut, also on TikTok now. Uh, Big news, big news, everyone. Chapter one of my brand new one-hour comedy special called I Didn't Say Anything Bad is now available on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen, K-I-L-G-A-L-L-O-N, and you'll see the first three uh, clips, tracks, whatever you want to call them, first three jokes right there for you. There'll be a new chapter every Wednesday through the month of May. So some steady content coming your way. I broke it up this way because it's how I did it last time with my last uh, album slash special called Can't Complain, and it seemed to work for me. Um, it did well. It did really well, actually. So I'm hoping this is the same. So tell your friends, share it. As a comedian, I have no gigs right now, and that's the main source of my income. So big appreciation to the people who are subscribing to the Patreon. Um, Chad McDaniel, new person to the Patreon. Big shout out to him because he's always been the man. And um, so those people, you guys have been great. And I'll I'll keep coming up with more stuff to put up on there. I got some stuff this weekend coming your way. And what else do I want to tell you? Yeah, so basically, YouTube is a source of income. It's not much, but it's something. And listening to my old albums on Spotify and Pandora, that's something. Royalties, you know. But uh, sharing it, letting people know. The more subscribers I get, the more views, the more views, the more I make off the ads before the videos and all that good stuff. And then hopefully more listeners will come over to the podcast that like what they hear. I've got unfortunate news to start this podcast again, though. I <laughs> fucking I don't think I'm going to use Zoom anymore to do these. There's a, there's an app I used to use called Anchor, which I was fine. I don't know if there's video with it, but whatever. For now, audio is I think better anyway. Um, or maybe I'll try WebEx. So there's a couple other Hangout ones. Zoom has fucked me twice now. Uh, me and Marty Derosa had one that just went away, and now this latest podcast. Uh, it's, it was a longer podcast, so it's still going to be about an hour long. I think I, I, I salvaged 45 minutes of this podcast, and it was really cool because I had Curtis Shaw Flagg as my guest. He is the general manager, really the president of the Laugh Factory here in Chicago, and um, which is one of the, my favorite club in the city. And he's got a really cool story of how he went from being like an intern, where he worked basically for free and worked his ass off and, and became undeniably good at what he was doing, invaluable is another good word. And became the president of a comedy club now. Big comedy fan. And he broke that down. And then we talked about the future of comedy. And yes, it's some of the stuff Marty and I touched on a little bit. Like, when are comedy clubs going to open back up? When is anything where groups of people could come together? Whether it's pro wrestling or just going to the movie theater. Um, drive-ins are making a comeback, which I think is kind of cool. But yeah, so it was interesting to talk about that. And um, so hopefully, maybe I could have him back on with someone else. And you could get we could talk about that. Um, so here's what happened, though. While we were recording, I got an alert saying my, my disk was full on my computer. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. But that shouldn't be that big a deal because, you know, I didn't think it was saving as I was recording. I figured it would, you know, save the recording. And then when I went to go download the recording, they'd be like, yeah, dude, you got to delete some shit. That's what I figured. I thought the warning was just, hey, your disk is about to be full, just to give you a heads up. Then it basically stopped the recording because it said my disk was 100% full. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, so then I turn on my Zoom 
There's the actual device, the Zoom. I hate that they're both called Zoom. I don't know if they're the same company, maybe. And uh, to record that way. Sorry, there's a lot of logistical, boring bullshit I'm giving you right now. But So that's where I was able to salvage it. The audio quality is not as strong as it normally is, but it's still pretty good. But I don't know what the hell happened. And then I, I said convert to retrieve the files. I went to do that, and I think the, the file was compromised for some fucked up reason. So I'm getting pissed off with that. I got to figure out. I'm going to do what my buddy Mike Bryanstein said. I got to buy this cord off Amazon for like eight bucks. It's a cheap cord. I feed it from the computer into my actual recording device. That way, if it craps out, I still have high-quality audio. And, you know, I'm, I'm really pissed that we missed it because there was really we talked about our favorite, what was the better movie we just discussed. We did Happy Gilmore versus Billy Madison. That was a really fun conversation. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you our answers because I'm going to try to get him back on. I think hopefully he's cool with it. But I just hate wasting people's time and I hate wasting my time. And so far, I've been wasting your time. But uh, this conversation is all the docu the documentary that is taking America, taking the world by storm. That is the documentary, The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls dynasty, Michael Jordan in particular, the first two episodes. I think Jordan's going to be the main theme and then each other episode. Like episode one was all Jordan. Then it was like episode two was Pippen, but still a lot of Jordan. Rodman's coming up and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, it's about the Bulls' final season. But they do these flashbacks where they're bringing you how we got to here. So it went back to when they drafted Jordan. Then they cut back to when they drafted Pippen. And then, you know, Phil Jackson's role and Jerry Krause and, you know, the GM who everyone hates. And apparently the Bulls in the early 80s were this traveling cocaine circus, which which is a really cool name for a band or a festival, I feel like. Um, but we had fun talking to that. So if you're not the biggest sports fan, I still think you're going to get some cool stories out of it. It's just fucking dramatic. It's like drama in a weird way. Like, not a weird way, in a way. You've got this dynasty, these the greatest basketball team, the most popular sports team of all time. They were the fucking Beatles. They were the Beatles in the 90s. And so we talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. So I think even if you're not a basketball person or a sports fan in general, I think you'll dig it. And um, yeah, as far as like the comedy stuff goes, I will keep you posted. But definitely, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share the videos with your friends. I really appreciate that. You guys are the best. So without further ado, here is my guest, president of the Laugh Factory, Curtis Shaw Flag, And we'll be mid-conversation already talking uh Little Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Here you go. I was reading some stats on Jordan's mid-range game. Like the mid-range is like completely unheard of now. Like no one because the analytics, like no one really shoots the mid-range. Either you're driving to the basket or you shoot a three. And Jordan really kind of changed the way that you had to strategize against Tex Winters as well, because they were, you know, played within the triangle. Yeah. Like, you revolutionize. Like that's how you that's how you judge. You know, there's a GOAT conversation, and that's how you truly judge a, a player and the impact that they had. Did you change the game? Did the rules change? Did the way the flow of the game change? Like, Jordan was in the league when they pushed the three-point line back. So you kind of saw the evolution of kind of the, the three-point shot being utilized a little more, but it's still whether you, you had your sharpshooters like Mark Price, Reggie Miller, you know, uh, John Paxson, Steve Curry. You know, you started to – teams started to go out and seek uh, a, a sharpshooter, but it was never – the game was never revolved around the sharpshooter. No, those guys – those guys like Steve Kerr averaged, what, seven points a game for the Bulls? Yeah. He came in off the bench – in late in games when they were down to get us back into the game. The NBA, and I'm hoping this doc will show, if you go into this with unbias, say you're a 20-year-old NBA fan, you didn't see Jordan. Jordan last played, if you're 20 years old now, you, you were two years old when Jordan last played for the Wizards in 2002. Yeah. 
So you don't know Jordan other than YouTube and what your dad tells you. Mm-hmm. I want this doc to show people, and I think it did in the first two episodes, the insane work ethic this guy had. Was he an, was he a freak athlete? Hell yeah. But he was also yep. a sociopathic, competitive, like the most competitive, different level. the most competitive person in the history of human beings. In history of sports, yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm loving about yeah, No, you're right. In the history of human beings, not right? just sports. That's what I'm loving yeah. about this doc is... When Jordan says, the, yeah, I was fighting for my father's approval with my brothers, that's when you're like, oh, shit. That's the therapy. And all of us with all of us with demanding like fathers who like kind of changed the way your psyche was as a youth. I never felt more like Michael Jordan yeah, like, <laughs> than when you said that. Well, also, it's showing you so much about these personalities where like Jerry Krause was this short little fat kid who just mm-hmm. wants credit. And wanted credit so badly, he destroyed a dynasty. He was willing to show how powerful he was, just to show how much control he had. He prematurely destroyed a great thing so he could restart, and and, because he believed he could win again, just to prove to everyone, no, it wasn't just them; it was also me. Mm -hmm. Do you know how insane it was for a GM to be riding the bus and being on planes? Why are you traveling with the fucking team? (laughs) I, I was talking to people and reading up on it. That wasn't normal. Completely unheard of. And yeah, yeah we're, we're that doing would be, that. Would be the equivalent of, we'll say, not, not even Scottie Pippen, not even Michael Jordan. We'll say like Pete Myers bringing his entire like entourage on the team plane. Yeah, you know, like, it's, no, it's, that's like kind of the equivalent. Like there's like, there's no place for you. This is for team personnel, which actually still doesn't include front office, like. All essential employees, you know what I mean, are on the plane. But it just doesn't go. It just doesn't. I mean, the yeah. GMs might travel a little bit, but not to the extent he was. No. You could tell he was clearly being like, I'm here too. Don't forget about me and all this kind of nonsense. Then he had the quote, obviously, he's like, you know, players and coaches don't win championships, organizations do. And then he had to walk it back and then kind of, you know, and, and, and elaborate. He's like, oh, I was misquoted. You know, they forgot you know, the, the, the last sentence of the, of the quote. And the sentence that he included still made the, the quote sound terrible. There's, there's <laughs> so much more to Krauss's story. And funny, I only just found out that their high school, two, three blocks from my house, he went to. I didn't know he went there. Yeah. Um, he's from, cause now, he, but, he like, don't get me wrong. Jerry Krauss was the architect of the Bulls dynasty. Hands down. Well, yeah, I give him credit for the Pippen yeah. trade was great. The Grant draft pick was great. Finding Kukoc. Cartwright uh, getting rid of Oakley. And, like, that was, like, the first move that really made, created a rift besides the minutes restriction, which I don't even think he had anything to do with on Jordan in 86. But, uh, I don't know. He might uh, have a little bit. I always I, I, I thought that it was, um, it was, the, it was more Reinsdorf than Kraus. Maybe. Because he wanted to say, but you could probably spread that. Well, Reinsdorf's getting but, away with being like, "Oh, Jerry, it was Jerry." Yeah, I told, I told Jerry. Pippen. Yeah, he Reinsdorf is. I hope I don't know. I don't know where this will go. Obviously, in the next eight episodes, but he definitely is virtue signaling quite a bit. He was like, "Oh, you know, I told Pippen, you know, don't sign the contract. Like, it's not for you. It's like you could have also reworked the contract. You're the owner of the team. Yeah. You actually, your authority usurps any authority that Jerry Krause would have in the beginning part of the contract." And even like in the later period where you could have literally ripped that contract up and rewrote him in an extension that would have probably given the NBA its first four peat after the, the Boston Celtics. Yeah, definitely. And that was what killed me too. He goes, I would have been happy to bring Phil back for the 1999 season. 
then fucking do it. You own the team. Yeah. He kept going, well, Krause wouldn't have it. Krause was yeah. like, Tim Floyd. And the, Tim it, it was, yeah, you the sad it. part about it is that Krause is dead. You yeah, know? that's so, what like, sucks. He can't obviously like defend himself. and you know, But it, 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 it would be a hard argument. I don't know exactly. But you know what? what? You, you go play. against Michael Jordan and, this, and a, a fucking winning team like that, you kind of deserve yeah. the blowback. It sucks that he's not here to defend himself, of course. But there, so it goes both ways. But it's a documentary. Yeah. It's a documentary. You want the whole truth. Yeah. And there's more to it. So think about that. Oakley was Jordan's best friend. That's and right. He fucking traded him. Also, there was for another. Cartwright, he did trade him for. No, Bill no, Cartwright, yeah, I mean, which, you know, Jordan gave him shit. But I do think revisionist history, hindsight, twenty twenty, obviously. But like, I feel that the era of the bad boy Pistons like was starting to come to an end and, and Oakley for all of the intangibles he had, he wasn't a great on ball defender. He was a tough guy. He was going to be a bully. He was going to back up the team. So he was there as more of like a moral support, yeah. but like when it he came down to like the shits, fourth line, yeah. You know? yeah. No, he I had the it. chief, you know, I don't, I will correct you on that. The, the Pistons episodes coming up and it is a little bit revisionist history to pretend that Pistons' style was fading. It did start to fade. The second half of the 90s was way less physical than like the, early, the, the 80s and the yeah. early 90s. But um, the Pistons, I, I love people who want to shit on the Bulls or the Jordan legacy by saying like he waited for the Pistons to get old. Their big three were all under 30. Isaiah Thomas, 29. Yeah. Joe Dumars, 27. Dennis Rodman, 28. Even yeah. Lambeer was 31, and Aguirre was like 32. So yeah. I don't understand this right. idea that they were all old. Um, I, think the style allure, I think, I think the allure went out when they swept them. But then, like, that was like, you know, that was like... It ended because the Bulls ended it, though, is my point. True. The Bulls were like, you're fucking dumb. We just swept yep. your asses. Yep. Um, but Oakley took that physical style of the Knicks, and the Knicks and Bulls start beating the shit out of each other. Those two yeah. It is. Yeah, that is actually a great point because when Oakley was with the Pistons, they were the bad boy Pistons, baddest motherfuckers on the planet, and then he goes to the Knicks, and then the Knicks kind of become the, the you know, the Those Bulls. Those were battles. Seven. Everywhere he went. And then where did he go? He went somewhere after the Knicks, I thought. I don't know if it was Phoenix. Phoenix feels Phoenix. right. I was thinking Phoenix. Phoenix does feel right. I just, I just remember everywhere he traveled ended up being, being the team that, like, the Bulls had to go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll say this. This is what I wanted to mention with Cross. No more about the decisions. But I'm, I'm equating to what he did with his superstar to his superstar and how that would have played out in today's climate. So he yeah. trades his best friend. Also, Jordan said, don't draft Brad Sellers. Draft this guy. Brad Sellers is soft. Jordan yeah, was right. Yeah, uh, Johnny, Johnny Dawkins. Or, yeah, I think he had Dawkins was the yeah, guy's yeah. name. Who had a good career but got injured a lot, like, yeah, but was yeah. a solid NBA player. Sellers was out of the league in three seasons. Yeah. And a lot of it was because Jordan beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, like, mentally, Jordan probably had more to do with, with Sellers. But like, that's what Jordan did. And it's gonna, we're going to see a lot more of it as it goes along. And Jordan even tweeted, or not tweeted, but said in an interview, a lot of people aren't going to like me at the end of this, because yeah. his style was basically, I'm going to see if you could take it. Because if yeah. you can't take it, then you're in my way. We're yeah. trying to leave. accomplish yeah. something. Yeah, I think he said that he's like, just leave. He's like, leave. leave. If the this door is, is right there for you, get the fuck out. I want players. I'm setting a tone, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's imagine, why. I, imagine a general manager. Imagine the imagine um, Jerry West yeah. telling Steve Kerr, "I wouldn't give a fuck if you went eighty-two and zero. 
you will not be the coach of the Golden State Warriors next yeah. year. Like, it was like, like, in what world do you not look at that as just like this is the most supreme level of pompous asshole that you could ever imagine? Because the thing about it is, the funny part is, eighty-two and zero wasn't even like that. It didn't. It, it didn't even seem that impossible. <laughs> no, it didn't really. Yeah. So he's, we kind of set it to set the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like okay, you know, we went seventy-two and ten. You know, all right. It's like like Phil oh, came out saying we have to go eighty-two and zero. Yeah, we have to go lost Ten less games. You're not going to be here anymore. They, they, you know, if, if Phil said we have to win eighty-two, I bet they win seventy-seven. You know. Yeah. This is um, true. This, I was afraid this was going to happen. I'm recording. I set up my, my uh, recording here on my uh, other Zoom. Oh, yeah, Zoom. H4N. Yeah, because um, I got a, a disk, no, disk space notice. Um, oh, shit. So, yeah, I ran out of a little space. But we're going we're gonna to wrap this up here um, uh, a little bit. And then I, I want to have you on again just to check yeah. in with you. And then if we do that debate, the Jordan-LeBron thing, because I made that Facebook question. Should I have someone that just agrees with me, or do I have someone that's going to debate? Now, I want to lay the groundwork, because you made a post about Jordan's definitely the GOAT, and I laid a case out that had tried to be challenged by people, but I have won every challenge. I said, and look, I like LeBron. He's a great player. He's yeah, I feel like that's got to be a preface, because when I get into it, I feel like I'm doing more shitting on LeBron than I am like elevating, you know, how great he is as a player, but it's only because everything that you want to say to like support his greatness is like used as a reason why he's the true goat over Jordan. That's I 100%. And I always feel guilty too. And then I get into it with my LeBron friends where I'm like, Oh look, I'm not shitting on LeBron. I think LeBron's awesome. He's on my Mount Rushmore of NBA greats. Absolutely. But if you're going to, if someone's going to come at me with this strike on Jordan, I'm going to use LeBron's failures because you yes. can't erase the failure that was LeBron's performance against the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA finals. And even, never. and even, and I've never, I've always looked the other way on his first finals because he was in his fourth season. He was 22. Yeah. He's a baby. Yeah. He's a baby. Still though, Jordan never, ever got outplayed in a playoff series. Now, there are two. There's a thing called game score. It's a stand on basketball reference that takes all your stats. Yes. It's basically like war. Greatest sports website on the planet. I love basketball reference. So the advanced stat there will show basically the highest game score is the person who played the best. Now, I looked at the game score for every single playoff series that Michael Jordan ever played in. So I did a lot of homework for this. There are two instances of like, what, 15 playoff series in which Jordan didn't have the highest game score. One was in a three-game sweep of Charlotte in 95-96, you know, when they won 72 games. Yeah. And Scottie Pippen's game score was like three-tenths of a point higher, which is basically a virtual tie when it comes yeah. to that. You know, yeah. it's like this. And yeah. then in the finals that year against Seattle, Sean Kemp, who Jordan wasn't going really head-to-head with, was – Two tenths, I think, higher. One was like twenty point six versus like twenty point four. The Other argument that, can be made that was cocaine. Uh, yeah, and the argument can be made too that like, hey, different positions and all that kind of shit. Yeah, they weren't and, even seeing each other. And even the Charlotte series, it's like we the Bulls knew they were going to sweep. Modern NBA fans, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The first round used to be a best of five, and yeah. often the one seed would just roll the fuck over the eight seed. It just that's how it went, and um, but he really. In every playoff series he ever played in, we're talking about, you know, he started, he made the playoffs every year on the Bulls. He outplayed 
the other always outplayed his entire team and outplayed the other team's entire yes. team. He had the highest. Yeah, he was player. always hands down the best player on the court from draft day. Some people count it. They say like it was like 101 days like into the league where he like was like the clear cut. But in a rookie of the year season, where I mean he was putting up crazy numbers, he had like the most it points in LeBron. The NBA. Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't until LeBron that you know those numbers were even like slightly challenged. No, LeBron's rookie season, and granted, LeBron was eighteen, was twenty points a game. Jordan averaged twenty eight as a rookie, so eight yeah, more no, no, you're right. And Jordan was second in the league in scoring average. Dominique Wilkins won the scoring title that year because he played he played like 72 games. Jordan played like I think all 82. So, you know, average, but Jordan had more yeah, total yeah, average points. Yeah, So he yeah. led the league in total points as a rookie, but the scoring title goes to the highest average. That's another thing too. When people try to compare scoring, they go, "Well, LeBron only averages like 3 or 4 less." I go, "Yeah, but Jordan won 10 scoring titles. LeBron has won one. 10 In 15 seasons. Won. 15 yeah. seasons. Yeah, well, less and, time. And it, Fucking 10 scoring titles in 13 full seasons. He only yeah. played 11. No, Jordan played. Did he play 15 seasons? 15 seasons. Yes, he did. You're right. 15 seasons. Mm-hmm. Only 11 were full seasons with the Bulls. Because it was 13 seasons with the Bulls, but one with the broken leg. So he played yeah. 16 games. And then when he came back from baseball, it was 17 games. So yeah. in 11 full seasons, he won 10 scoring titles, six rings in 11 full seasons. Three steals, titles, defensive player of the year. The accolades obviously go to Jordan. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah, you, you yeah, there's not even a debate. Yeah. But to me, what ends the debate is the fact that Jordan never, ever got outplayed, like I mentioned, in a playoff series where LeBron has in several playoff series. And even the one where he was a baby against the Spurs, he still got outplayed badly. He was the, like... Bad. He was... He quit. He quit. He quit. He quit. He I've never... There's only been... I'm trying to think of another superstar... To like that caliber, Kobe never quit. Uh, I mean, I Kobe got outplayed though. Kobe got outplayed against played, Detroit. Yeah. Rip Hamilton yeah. outplayed him in that series, and yeah. you even say Paul Pierce gave him a run for his money. Yeah, Ron Kobe never quit in a series twice. that was like of like any sort of like contention. He quit in a season. You know, yeah. he's like, okay, like I'm playing with a bunch of bums. Like, there's no, there's no way. You know, Jordan zero, not a not a mark on his record of. Quitting on the team, being outplayed by any sort of competition, and he definitely he took down a hall. He took down a Hall of Famer every step of the way. There wasn't, the, you know, there's just like, oh, the competition was like inferior. It's like we're talking about Hall of Famers here. Yeah. We're not talking about you know everyday people. We're not talking about you know AAU teams. Like we're talking about current Hall of Fame players who were at the top of their game when Jordan played. Larry Bird, of all people, you know, it's like I knew when I saw him that he was the greatest player that I'd ever seen. And it was like year three, maybe. Yeah, Jordan. Three. No, it was year two where he said that was God disguised as a basketball player. Yeah. Because he was. That was a game score where Jordan was facing a team with four Hall of Famers as a second year player who missed 90% of the fucking regular season, was on a minutes restriction when he came back and all that. Yep. And still averaged 49 He scored 49 in game one, 63 in game three. 63. In the garden. Right? <laughs> it's just, in the garden. I mean, I, I know people are like, oh, you old heads hyping him or whatever Twitter people say. And there's that one Twitter guy. This is what kills me too. So <sighs> is it hard to play in the Twitter age? Yes. That documentary reminded us though, the Bulls were the Beatles. The, yeah. the highest 
someone did a ratings chart of the NBA Finals, the ratings from the last 30 years, and they did it like a bar graph. It, literally, the Bulls' last three, the ratings are through the roof. Then it just dips down, and it still hasn't even come close. Not one of LeBron's yeah. Finals television ratings he even touched, even got within yeah. a sniff of what the numbers the Bulls were putting in. So, yeah, there was no Twitter or social media hounding these guys, but they would literally get off a plane, and the airport was swamped. Pre-9-11, yeah. you can't do that now, sure. But it was now there, yeah, there, there's, there are a few people, obviously all the ESPN employees have gotten screeners of the entire um, the entire row. Most of them have watched it. Michael Wilbon, which is like one of my favorite columnists of all time, journalists in general, um, he actually said he didn't watch it. The, the screener that they gave, he's like, I'm watching it every Sunday with my son. Like, we're going to enjoy it with, like, the, you know, viewing public. But there are a few people who have watched it all, and they, they, they touch on the fact that in these coming episodes, they're going to talk a little bit more about how, like, how incredibly difficult it was to be Michael Jordan and just, like, live amongst, you know, us, like, mortals as, you know, Michael Jordan. And that is another, you know part of the debate to me personally when you talk about the GOAT. Like it's I don't even think it's debatable who was a better all around player. Jordan's bigger, obviously or not Jordan. LeBron's bigger. So there's some attributes that, you know, kind of come more naturally to him. He came into the league as kind of like the chosen one. Jordan didn't necessarily, you know, he was not the number one overall pick. You know, he was then I think that always kind of carried with him. Yeah. yeah, Sam Bowie, we all know the story. And so like he has had to prove himself at every level and has overcome those odds and has kind of, you know, tackled it, never gave up. And then ultimately was the best of, he was the best college player, you know, when, you know, within his time, uh, you know, North Carolina. And he did have the luxury of playing with the best coaches in the world. But I think that that's not a knock on Jordan. That actually is another example of why he is the greatest because he was trained by the Mr. Miyagi's of basketball. You know what I mean? To become this like larger than life person, but that's on the court off the court. Yeah. You can say he didn't like step up for like civil rights and, you know, he didn't, you know, dip his toe into politics. He, you know, most famously said Republicans buy shoes too. There's like all of these things, but as a general cultural international icon he built the groundwork he did the running so everyone else could fly when he was you know flying on the court like the from shoe deals to to even player empowerment he was fighting for it back then he didn't get it because he had jerry Krause, you know but his time in the wizards the only reason why he played for the washington wizards was because he had a handshake agreement with the with the with management and, and ownership that it was a grooming role to be the ultimate owner of the Washington Wizards. Yeah. He's gonna be kind of like the first player to kind of like seamlessly transition into like an owner role and he was ultimately fucked out of that. But you know, he kind of took all the bumps and bruises, literally with the bad boy pistons and the Jordan rules, all the way to getting fucked over in Washington on what was supposed to be kind of a seamless transition into ownership. He took all of those bumps and bruises so you know, the players of the day can get these max contracts, these shoe deals and like become kind of these like cultural international icons that Jordan was really the first one to do. Like he saved the NBA. Yeah. No one's making the money they are without 
Jordan with the revolutionary shoe deal and the endorsements and all this other kind of stuff. So yeah, he, he was, was taking the pay cuts. Yeah, he took Jordan was, as well as Pippen. Pippen was you know criminally Pippen made more underpaid. of his career than Jordan though. Overall, there you uh, go. Jordan and so Jordan, Jordan obviously didn't need to like fight for you know every dollar because he was making so much with Nike and so much with Gatorade and you know kind of had all the off court deals which you know he really laid the groundwork for. But he took those Tom Brady pay cuts. Like so, if you want to kind of get in those conversations about like goat because that's also an argument for Tom Brady. It's like yeah, well he you know he looked out for the you know for the for the you know the greater good of the team. He took a, a hometown discount so other players could get paid. Jordan did the very same thing. And, you know, negligence on the account of front office, which I think now is why most players are like, well, fuck that. I'm going to get mine because, like, I can't also trust front office and management to do what they're supposed to do with the money. So, like, why am I leaving money on the table when I don't trust you to do what's right with the money that I'm leaving? Yeah, no, that all makes sense to me. Um, And, yeah, and LeBron has it hard in the sense, look, his high school games got televised dub the chosen one all this kind of stuff but because I, it wasn't close it, like lebron every and he had to deal with it at a younger age which is definitely more difficult than having to deal with it and he's as handled a it wonderful adult yeah he, he, he's a he's like and that's what sucks about the whole like arguments because like i can't knock besides the flopping and the failures and the giving up and the quitting your team besides all that like i can't knock really anything that lebron has done because he's been an exemplary role model for the league even in the decision, the whole point was to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club, and that always gets overshadowed. But, like, he's done the right things, you know? He's been he's tried his hardest to be the greatest, but he he's fallen short thus far. Like, his career's not written all the way, you know? Like, I don't know if he was going to win a championship this year, maybe, but I also don't know if the Bulls wasn't going to win four in a row and beat the Spurs, which I think they would have. I think they would have, yeah. You know, they, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, the way Jordan played with the Wizards told me that he still had another year of dominance in him. Yeah. Because he was a 20 good. points per game, Jordan, at like 40. Yeah. At 36, he would have probably still put up close to 30 a game like he was. I easy. Mean, easy. Um, easy. Yeah, and still playing really good defense. Like, you know, the top. I mean, that's another thing people forget. Uh, 538, which is. They just the number of stats. People think of them as political, but they also do a lot of sports mm-hmm. stuff. It's Adam Silver, right? Yeah, Adam Silver. Or or Nate, Jay, Silver. Yeah, Adam Nate Silver. Silver. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy wrote a thing about how, how good was Jordan. It's all like, holy shit! Look, advanced yeah. stats show he was even better than we level. thought. Yeah. Or a lot of times, advanced stats will show you, especially with older players like mm-hmm. guys who played decades ago, that oh, they weren't as good. This show, you know, yeah. It was so it's comparatively, yeah, it kind of stands the test of time from like then. To now. So they had a thing for perimeter defenders, which is guards and forwards. And Jordan ranked number three, or was I think it was tied for third greatest on this defensive measurement. I've never even heard before. Like it's you won't find this stat on the back of a basketball card. But it was like a plus minus something something in, and they they called it like a Raptor rating, but not like the Toronto Raptors. It stood for yeah. weird. <laughs> anyway, these nerds. He's fucking nerds. Anyway. <laughs> I love them. Like, I, 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 go, love them. I go to those places to, like, validate my arguments. Like, I can give you kind of the basic metrics of, like, points per game, you know, and, like, you know. Oh, I'm a stat five, junkie, dude. dude. Love. The advanced stats, the per 100 possession stats. I, I love, like, offensive rating, defensive rating. PR, like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, player efficiency rating. They're great. Which also... Lifetime PER, number one, Michael Jordan. I'll give it to LeBron. LeBron's number two yeah. by, like, it's like a pretty slim They're margin. Pretty They're pretty close. But 
he's still playing. So he's got, I mean, he's got to play. If he can play in his 40s and keep equal to production and somehow manage to pass, you know, Jordan and kind of like career PR, which is kind of like the God stat. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know yeah, how you could improve your PER because his has been going down the last yeah, it's been, years. Yeah, so I don't know how his free throw shooting, up. like yeah, yeah. His total numbers will be insane. Like he'll probably eventually be the all-time scoring leader. He'll pass Kareem. Yeah, that dude. I read that he he like invests a million dollars into his body every year. No one's saying HGH. Who knows? But it's nutrients. It's you know, there's yeah. so much more with tech that people do that they couldn't even do ten years ago, let alone now, right? Yeah. So um, and that and that's reserved for the greats. Like I will not subscribe because uh, one of the biggest arguments on that post that I made, you know, from kind of you know devil's advocates, as they say, they're like, oh, I'm a Jordan fan, but like I'm playing devil's advocate, was that the overall competition level with given medical science and given like, you know, uh, kinesiology and different things and like how people are treating their bodies that like the, the, the bulk of competition now is, is better because they take care of their bodies better, which can, there could be a case made for it, but you're not going to tell me that Kevin Durant is in any more physical, better physical shape than, you know, Sean Kemp was, yeah, I mean, like the wind blew, and you know he he tore his you know ACL. Yeah, and I he's mean, like he's like a stick figure. He's extremely gifted. Probably one like of this. the best players in the NBA. I can make a case that he's the best player in the NBA when he's on the court. Oh uh, yeah, he outplayed LeBron, LeBron big time. I mean, he went right at LeBron. LeBron didn't hard. want to guard him toward the end of that. Yeah, kind of kind of hard to make a case for the best for the for the goat when there's two active players that are actually chipping at the heels of Jordan and of LeBron and can make it, you could make an easy case that Kawhi and, and, uh, and Kevin Durant are the best players in the world. Right you definitely now. can. You definitely can. And what's, it's just different. Like the eras are so different. So now there's load management. So that's why statistics to me, if someone is going to be better than a previous player, they can't just, match their stats. They have to surpass them because they know what they're chasing. Exactly. I remember one time saying, of course Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing. Of course it was better than Jack Nicholas's because he got to see what Jack Nicholas yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. There's a blueprint set. Like you follow yeah. the blueprint and you, 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 you make have your to own. Pass it. Yeah. So Jordan, you have to yeah, I mean, it's interesting though because people, LeBron has gotten coddled in a sense. His, his fan base, it ne- I never heard Obviously, in baseball and hockey, because they're such team sports, no one like if Mike Trout never wins a World Series, that's not going to drop him down the greatest of all time list for baseball. Basketball, you're one of five players on the court, and basketball is the only sport where the best player could take over at any given moment. In baseball, I can't just be like, I'm batting now. I'm leading off this game. Fuck it. You're not leading off this game. It's most reliant on the best player doing just that. Yeah, so that's why in basketball, it's so like, yeah, you have to – Take that over, and it, to me, everyone's talking about LeBron being an MVP. Look, LeBron's having a great year this year. He's leading the league in assists, um, field goal percentages down, scoring's down a little bit, all that other stuff. But yes, he's having an awesome year. To me, he's having a he's a top five player season wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who I have as number four? His fucking teammate, Anthony Davis. Yeah, <laughs> who's averaging <laughs> who, third, who's leading the team. Yeah. I think this is the first year, if I'm not mistaken, in LeBron's career where he doesn't lead his team in scoring. Yeah. Which is, which is an incredible feat, but also you're not even the best player on your own team right now. People are just like, how about LeBron? How about LeBron? I'm like, well, yeah, you added this amazing player to him. Yeah. 
and he's healthier this year. And of course, I knew they would be a lot better. Um, of course, yeah. Yeah, look, he didn't. Anthony Davis is, was projected and kind of still is projected as eventually becoming the greatest, the, the best player in the world. Yeah, and he was like I mean, kind of almost playing he like it banged now. up a lot though. So that's yeah, yeah, barring health, yeah, which you can. He may be one of the most injury prone players playing right now. So yeah, that's I mean, a, look, look there's more, that's another guy who gets injured a lot. Where you're like, I thought the athletes today were. I, so it cracks me up about Jordan though, is because we got to see him play in that overlap generation. Ray Allen, yeah. Ray Allen was on, I think, Dan Patrick show two days ago, and they were talking about like who is Jordan. You play with both, or you played against both. And he goes, Jordan. He goes, I've played against both of them, and Jordan is the better guy. I played against Jordan because Ray Allen was drafted in 1996. Mm-hmm. I played against Jordan at the second part of the 3 P and against when he was on the Wizards. And he, I trust me, this guy's better. And I, I'm not just saying it. I, LeBron's my friend. We want to ring together. Yeah. I like LeBron. We're buddies. I sent him a Christmas card. I mean, he, he, saved, he saved LeBron's series and ultimate, like, you know, legacy. And D. Wade's saying Jordan's the go. I bring this up about how the generational overlap is because a lot of players now, you got that dickhead going, Jordan beat plumbers and garbage men. Yeah. I commented on your one thread, a video of Jordan. Saw that. Yeah, that was the overlap yeah, with was, the KG video. He was 39 years old schooling a fucking Kevin Garnett who was second in defensive player of the year that season. Was an all-defense yeah. first team. The next year, Kevin Garnett, I think, won MVP or was top five in MVP voting. Yeah, was, I think yeah, he was top like, five. Yeah. This wasn't like a baby Kevin Garnett. This was an Also, he was, a, he was no bullshit. He was bullying people. Dude. Bullying dude. people. Yeah, and, and Jordan, as an old man, was Garnett was like, oh, I'll guard you one-on-one, and Jordan's right by him and dunked Bullied. it as a fucking old guy. <laughs> so you're telling me that same dude, couldn't at 25 take on this generation a decade or so later like fuck off like it's, it's and then people even, say well yeah. Jordan didn't have a three point shot and this league is all about the three point shot Jordan was a gym rat if the league adjusted to if the league became a three point league he would have became a three point shooter he would have yeah because everyone everyone uh, I've, I've heard this argument at, at least when they he was like a 49 somewhere like a 49 47% three point shooter when the, the, the three point line was Moved close to the basket when they moved. It was like he was like a high twenties, but he also didn't shoot. He that barely much. shot like, it. He didn't, he didn't shoot that you know many what? threes because it wasn't necessary. Half of his three point attempts one season were him chucking the ball up from half court as time was ticking down before a quarter or halftime, yeah, right. which players don't do now because it hurts their yeah. field goal percentage. Another point I was going to make, and this is going to be the last point. I want to have you on again throughout this Absolutely. series, run, dude. I don't want to keep you too late. Um, the last point I was going to make is players nowadays. There's a lot of stat padding. I think load management's actually smart. It keeps the players fresher, deeper into the playoffs, yeah. sure. But because of that, it hurts the era comparison. Yeah, it conserves the stats. Like, it, it incubates the numbers so you don't have a realistic kind of view on if you would have played through some of the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, players playing through, whether it's like, you know, you know, knick-knack injuries or things like that, like, those would undoubtedly hurt your stats. You know, like, you probably, if you're a 20-point-per-game score, you'd have had a 15-point game, 18-point game, 16-point game. But if you, can serve, if you can serve that, if you can serve your stats by not playing and, you know, you, you come out and, you know, in a, in a bait game against, like, you know, an under-500 team and you're dropping 43, the, the, it just it looks a lot different than if you're playing through and you have those, like, 15, 22-point games. Or never playing the second game of a back-to-back. 
is ridiculous. And the league is now starting to do less back-to-back games because, well, Popovich started with Duncan in them, and then LeBron yeah. did it in Cleveland. They had a game where the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing Memphis, and they benched LeBron, Love, and Kyrie. And the league was like, people traveled 500 fucking miles because they couldn't get tickets to see you in Cleveland to see you in Memphis because it's a cheaper seat, and you fuckers didn't play. So then the league was like, well, let's do less and less. Now, the NBA used to always start right around Halloween, sometimes November 1st or 2nd. I know this is my dad's birthday is November 2nd. Now it starts like mid-October is game one. Yeah. Because they're doing yeah. this back-to-back. So, again, that's another thing that would help your career. And during the second three-peat, Jordan played every game, all 82. Where Pippen yeah. missed a lot of games. The, and Robin he played for his four, four seasons when he came back. So it was all four 82 games. Yeah, well, Jordan, no, he played three because he only played the last 17. Well, the half, yeah, yeah, the half was really. So, yeah, because Jordan's last six full seasons with the Bulls, he won a ring every year. I don't know, like the 17 games, he just came back, he had baseball player legs still. Man, I'm making an excuse yeah. for him a little bit, sure. Um, well, that was got rid of Kukoc because he was like, you're too fucking okay. slow to play with me, man. Like, move. Move your fucking old, you're not old, but move your. <laughs> Which is so funny, the, the Kukoc story. Kukoc was giving them the business in the summer games. Like, that, those Olympics when they played Croatia. I have those on VHS tape. Wow. Kukos, me and my grandma, we were like diehard Jordan Bulls fans, and we would actually, we would tape over games. So like the for the Bulls around the whole second three-peat, we taped all of them. Wow. We'd tape them, and then we'd watch them like game film. Like I was my grandma, rest in peace. She was amazing. And we, so we taped those, we taped the Olympic games because like we were like, oh my God, this is like the dream team. You know what I mean? And Kukos, it's kind of funny looking at the way international scouting kind of like works now because that was like as far as I can remember kind of the, the, the dawn of really like vetting international talent for the league through the Olympics and it was Tony Kukos and there's another player on Croatia can't think oh, of his I know name Petrovic Petrovic or something like that the dude they were giving him the business and then he winds up on the on the bulls i was a huge kukos fan from like day one i was like oh shit we got kukos and yeah i mean well, that, that eastern shit. european style when that came in that changed a lot of the nba too the big man like a dirk being seven feet tall and shooting and shooting and like, yeah having yeah, handles it's, it's and shit nuts. um but yeah like that's that's what i'm hoping people take from this where it's like wow this guy played i remember when lebron played all 82 two years ago i think he played all 82 it's a big deal. Iron Man. Iron Man. Jordan did it nine <laughs> times. Nine fucking times he played all 82, including his last year with the fucking Wizards. At 40, he played all 82. I mean, what the fuck I put that. I put that up in the in, when I was, I, was, I was arguing with everyone. They're like, oh, you know, like the, the, the players, like they're more athletic and more durable. And I'm like, name a player known for playing eight or two, 82 games right now. They're like, there isn't one. No. There's no like you would even uh, Kawhi seems to be one that I would assume if if you came all if you came if you're an alien and you're like who's like you know the most you probably point to him, but he's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nuts, man. Oh yeah, that was the last point. I'll make this last point and then i can't wait to keep talking to you about this it's been a lot back, of fun yeah. you got great insight curtis on both basketball and the comedy game so this has been a lot of fun having you on um that list that 538 made of defensive players so jordan was like tied with oliver robertson who was a great defensive player um for third all time for perimeter which is guard forwards and then the top two were um tony allen uh, who's a great defensive player, and Danny Green. Chicago guy. Yeah, and Danny Green, who's you know with Spurs. Those two, though, were defensive-minded players. 
What made Jordan yeah, so 100%. special yeah. was Jordan was the only guy on this top 10 list that carried 100% of the offensive load. I mean, not 100%, but a pretty sizable. That's another thing yeah. that people don't realize. I was looking at the finals appearances for LeBron. His scoring average from him being the one and how much the two had, like when they uh, beat Golden State, came back 3-1 to one in 2016, LeBron averaged 29 points a game for that series. Kyrie Irving was second with 27. So they were two yeah, points like, yeah. Kyrie had a very good you series. You can make an argument. Yeah, you can make an argument that Kyrie he was could very, have been the could have been the MVP very close, series. very close. And I bring that up because there was no in no finals did Scottie Pippen get within ten points. I think maybe even within twelve points of Jordan from where Jordan averaged to what Scottie. One really stuck out in Phoenix, the Phoenix series. Jordan averaged forty one. Scotty averaged 20. So Jordan averaged 21 more points, points than the next guy. Like, that's what people don't realize. The Bulls, yes, Scotty Pippen was a great player. I'm not just taking anything away from him. Scotty Pippen's one of the greatest defensive players of all time, was a great transition scorer. He didn't really have, like, a spot-up jumper. Yeah. He three, and he could score in transition. Like, would, would slash to the basket. Like, he didn't have, like, that standard jump shot thing. That's why in, like, 93, 94, even when he had that monster season, he couldn't close out a game by himself. Like, he just couldn't. And then when he was with Houston, Phoenix, or not Phoenix, Portland. Because Portland gave L.A. a couple runs for their money, but they always fell short in the fourth quarter because Pippen didn't have that part of his offensive game that you need, um, that Jordan and Pippen, even LeBron, on a extent has. That that killer, I'm going to close you out because I have this one go-to that you guys can't stop. Uh, Is that, like, I bring up, the whole Bulls being this ultimate role team was Rodman rebound, just rebound. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What do you score? Yeah, on the court, and he like there were some games he game? didn't shoot. There were games yeah. he didn't even take a shot attempt. Yeah. I remember just looking at the fucking Cavs going Tristan Thompson. Why doesn't Rodman say to Tristan Thompson rebound? That's it. Just fucking rebound. That's, that's all I want you to do. That's it. Just rebound. Love, stay down low, put the ball back up. We'll spread you out to the three. I'll kick it out to you. That's it. Like that was my thing with and Kevin Bozeman, who we're both big fans of. He's doing this great NBA list on Twitter. Everyone follow at Kevin Bozeman. Um, he's doing like his greatest players of all time. He mentioned once to me that LeBron can't be the GOAT because he's so hard to build a team around because he doesn't really make you better. He might make you better for that game, meaning he'll kick the ball out to you. You're wide open. But as far as making you as a better player, LeBron has trouble which lever do I pull. Do I be the guy that yeah. attacks the basket? Well, I can't attack the basket the whole time because then my teammates get cold, and when I need them to hit threes later when I get tired or hit shots, they weren't involved, so now they're flat. So I can't do yeah. that. And it's I, like almost impossible to have like a real three, a true three, four, also be your kind of like point guard, yeah, and also tough. have a point guard. You know, it, it's like it, it's that was that was what was so unique about them beating coming back from the Warriors and, and Kyrie and the way it, I, I think they won in spite of. Especially with the way Kyrie played, because Kyrie just desperately wanted to be the one, yeah. he wanted to be a true one, and he wanted to carry the team that he was playing in spite of LeBron. So if you ever, like, if you ever go yeah. back and look at it, like though that one-on-one shit, like it, it was, he was truly playing in spite of LeBron. Yeah. No, I and I don't blame Kyrie for leaving the way he did. But that's another podcast. But LeBron, yeah. and as great as he is, if he decides, so people will criticize him. You're not attacking enough. So then he'll attack, and then his teammates get they go flat. So then when he gets tired, he's like, I need you guys to step up while we were fucking watching you because you weren't including us earlier. So now he has to like spin these plates. And, yeah, it's difficult, but that's his game. Where Jordan was able to go out there and be like, I can carry the offensive load, still play shutdown defense. Scotty, you'll do this. Dennis, you just do that. Ron, yeah. you play tight D. Harper, 
current Bushler, when you guys coming off the bench will do this. Tony, you swing around. Like, they knew their shit. Because yeah, everyone of Jordan, knew their role. And because of the way he was in practice. Now, I don't understand, and this isn't a knock on Pippen either. Pippen would have had, if Pippen would have been a Seattle Supersonic, if we didn't make the trade, I think Pippen makes a couple all-star games, has a very nice career. Is he a top 50 player of all time without Jordan no, being a psycho? No, Jordan no. used to make Jordan, him stay after practice Jordan, yeah, the Jordan molded him into the player that he was, hands down. And everyone makes a big argument about those two seasons, you know, when Jordan was out and how Pippen picked it up and carried. And I'm like, do you not understand that he – Everything that everything that he applied, he learned yeah. from George. I mean, he says it in the first two episodes. He's like, "Yo, I was like this quiet kid from you know, I came from Central Arkansas, and, you know, and like I didn't know what it took to be the type of player I needed to be until I met Michael Jordan. Yes. And everything that he learned, he applied to those seasons. So like he he became a great player. You know, he he worked hard and he was." probably arguably the second best player in the league. A lot of people say it was like a, there's a toss up between him and Elijah Wan, but Elijah Wan was just another, it was, it was actually a blessing that Jordan was gone this year because we got to see that Elijah Wan do what he did, you know, for those two years for those back to back NBA finals wins. But yeah, it, it, it was 100% Jordan made Pippen a better player. And that's another testament to why Michael Jordan is the go. Well, uh, yes. And and to do a music analogy for the people who have been, if you don't like sports and you've been listening this long, you're fucking amazing. <laughs> but I remember Dave Grohl, you know, you know, Dave, everyone knows Dave Grohl, lead singer of the Foo Fighters. Was Former the, drummer for Nirvana. Yes. He, they talked about songwriting. And he said, I wouldn't be the songwriter I am if I didn't learn under Kurt Cobain, who was the, still considered one of the greatest songwriters, uh, you know, definitely of the last 30 years or so. It's like you, I, div, I saw what he did and learned so much. And Dave's like, if I was never in Nirvana and tried songwriting, I wouldn't have been shit. George Harrison of the Beatles. He's like, people ask George Harrison, because George Harrison started to write more Beatles songs toward the second half of the Beatles, I guess. Um, they go, how come you didn't write a lot of songs early on? He goes, well, I wasn't a songwriter yet. And we had John and fucking Paul. Like, why would yeah, I? Yeah, why would you know I? what I mean? <laughs> but I also learned from them. You know, we, they, they would help me out. I was like, hey, I got this yeah. idea for a song. And then John would be like, well, you might want to do that with this chorus or do, you know. And then I got better. Like, and again, it's not taken away from Pippin. Pippin's great. Yeah, he put the work in. Man, and Jordan. So it was like, there's yeah. no need. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because when in, in 93, 94, the year Pippin was like third in MVP and Jordan was retired, he scored 22 a game. Two seasons earlier, he scored 21 a game. So I thought when I remember when Jordan left, I remember thinking like Pippen will probably average 30. He only went up like one point. Yeah. The Bulls won because they got Horace Grant really stepped up a lot. B.J. Armstrong yeah. stepped up a lot, and um, and you know obviously they they knew how to win because they learned. And, and again, it's not taking anything away, but I think that's interesting though, because if you if you truly make the people around you good, when you leave, they should still be good. Thank you. That's what I That's never the got. Biggest, like, everyone's like, the drop-off of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron left. It was like, that's more of a testament to like how LeBron didn't dedicate any time to really elevate his teammates. And, and you know, it, it, and there's like, you know, a lot. Like, LeBron definitely carried a lot of very shitty teams. Sure. But it's sometime within the process, don't you want to dedicate yourself into making – your situation a little better by if, if you're the goat if you're like kind of the chosen one and you're like the next of like that's a part of your arsenal 
Well, I got sick of the excuses. It has to include that. I got sick of the excuses from LeBron about I need more this, more that. I'm like, you're the GM. He was. The, he was. There's they no were doing everything. History that has had more influence on of the front office of an organization than LeBron James. Yes, that's why I'm talking about earlier in the podcast when I was saying that. Like, the, if this was the modern era, Jordan sat by when they didn't draft the guy he wanted. They traded his best friend. You know what I mean? They were underpaying him. They were dicks. And he's like, we're going to win. Like, we're still going to win. And he's still like, like I got. I love the still city. still going to win. Because he said on draft day, I'm going to bring a title here. So he was like, we're going to fucking figure it out. All right, he, so, said, he said, we're going to make the playoffs every year, and I'm going to bring a title. Dude, and he fucking did, man. Law of attraction on that guy, huh? All right, now, LeBron dude. said not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Eight. He lied. Jordan has never lied. To go two and four with that fucking team in Miami should also be considered a blemish. I know the Spurs were good, but they were the favorite, or they should have been. The, I, they, yeah. they were definitely more he talented than Dallas. He lost with a healthier way than he won with. He was the third best team in that finals. Third best player. Yeah. He was. It was Wade and Bosch had better series, and then they scored more points at least, too. All right, man. You're the best, Curtis. Um, dude, like, what's the charity? Open books? You want to tell them, like, where? Open books, yeah. So uh, now, obviously, CPS is closed, so we're pivoting a lot of our efforts. Open books is a literacy nonprofit, so we provide reading and writing programs uh, for, for kids all across Chicago. We have now pivoted all of our, like, in-person physical programs to, to virtual so you go to open-books.org. We have literacy resources. I built a whole new like website dedicated to all this shit. So please go check it out. Send your kids there. There's like writing prompts and exercises to keep them engaged. Um, we also have a writing contest uh, for third grade to 12th grade students. Um, top prize is $1,000 towards um, furthering education. Um, we're giving $1,000 away for each age group. So it's about $4,000 in prizes just for the top spot. And it goes down to $250. That's going on through May. Um, we're also going to start uh, providing CPS schools with free books to give away with the meal kits. I'm actually dropping those books off on Monday. So anyone who has uh, students in CPS classrooms, when you go to the, you can also pick up books at the meal distribution sites. So if you don't need the meals, if you guys, you know, if you're fine and you want to just grab some books for the kids to have, we're also giving books away at those mill distribution sites. So they'll be at the exact same uh, distribution sites that are listed on the CPS website that, you know, all the network schools and uh, everything. So some good stuff going there, just trying to make the best of a shitty situation. Hell yeah, buddy. All right, man. Uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, I got so much more bull stuff. We didn't even get into the trap. I know. I know. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. <laughs> we'll so we'll, do, we'll do it again. So excited for it, man. All right. Thanks a lot. You're the best, dude. Awesome. Thanks so much. Peace. Later.